What is up, everybody out there in podcast land? Welcome to your latest episode of Sports Friends. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Dave's happy because we actually get to talk about pro football results Woo-hoo! and picks for the future. That's For the right. first time since early this year, January. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. Welcome See- back, kids. We're geared up for this one. Football in all its glory. Taping here on September the 14th, 2022. This will hit tomorrow morning the 15th, or as we like to call it for us personally, Clerks 3 Day. That's right. (laughs) Check out the weekend edition. We're taking it back. For more info on that. But now, the tides have shifted. Now, first segment is always going to be, for the rest of 2022, the National Football League. This is our bread and butter, kids. This is what Sports Frenzy was founded to talk about. That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) This was the, the fundamental cornerstone, the foundation, when we put this together 30 years ago. It was all about football and talking about football. And we said, we can do this better than anybody else. Now, of course, when it was on TV, we had the Saturday Night Live type skits to open things up. It was a creative (laughs) manna from heaven. And I wish I could direct you guys to somewhere you could watch the old episodes, but alas, alas and alack, cable TV archives don't exist. We would have to spend so much time at the local library digitizing everything to be able to upload to YouTube. Yeah, the public access stuff, it's gone. When it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Now, of course, we do have a library. We do. But as Dave said, it would take a lot of of time. time. So you get us on a podcast now. Times change, technology changes. We go from cable access TV to YouTube and now to podcasting. And as Dave said, the NFL was the first thing that inspired us to do this. So let us look back at week one and then we will look forward to week two. All right. Shockingly, Dave and I did not communicate all during the Bears game on Sunday. We did not. I was relegated to watching the highlights of Sunday's game as construction on the basement continues. A couple more weeks, and then I will be able to be fully involved. That would have been my call as well, because I would have thought the Bears... Did not have any chance. We didn't even pick the game because it was not one of the more competitive games on the slate initially. On paper, but wow, the monsoons came. Equalized everything. Yeah. Playing on Newt's side, which by all accounts held up. It's just that it didn't drain. Let's let's make sure we we, we tell our holder. Let's squeegee the field. Let's make sure we tell our holder from here on out, this is on Eberflus, not to bring a towel out and try to dry the the area where the kicker is is going going to to plant. Yeah. 
No, no. That's a no, no. Now, That's an he, unsportsmanlike conduct. He could have used his hand to squeegee the area. That would have been fine, or just according to the stick rule his book. face in there and start sucking it all in. <laughs> Hydration. Hydration is key. <laughs> Get some good minerals in there from the soil, from the dirt. <laughs> Potassium. Zinc. A little extra on. iron. Yeah. <laughs> but... Believe it or not, that was one uh. of the few mistakes the Bears made. They played a very controlled. Now, the fans were booing at one the point. The first half was not good offensively at all. They looked lost and confused. But, lo and behold, as Eberflus came out and said, yeah, we made adjustments at halftime. In Chicago, that's a novel concept after the last four years under Nagy where he never made any adjustments. And you could tell it was a completely different Bears offense in the second half. I still will hold back jubilation and joy because the you off- had a lot of things fall your way on the other side too. Yeah. You had Elijah Mitchell, the number one running back for the 49ers, go out with a knee injury. Trey Lance does not look ready for prime time. No, he was Now we're starting to see why shy. maybe Kyle Shanahan kept Jimmy G around. Now the the over-under on how many games before <laughs> Jimmy G takes over. Yep, it's dropping. Now Justin Fields, I don't think, had a great game, but he had a couple spectacular touchdown passes. Yes. And those were basically the two plays that won the game and the defense, of course, with Chicago Bears, if you don't have a good defense, defense, you're lost. Yeah. So this defense, again, rock solid for the most part, did what they needed to do. The Bears win improbably against the 49ers in week one. Absolute chaos. Now, the football gods above, I am beseeching you. I am begging you. Please kick Aaron Rodgers, stupid, stoned, pretentious, lateral-thinking ass this Sunday night. That's all I want. We can go 2-15 and 15 the rest of the way. <laughs> Just shut him up. Please. And, you know, this is the time because that offense is so dysfunctional and in chaos right now. He does not have anybody that he can trust to catch the ball. Agreed. Alan Lazard, his presumptive number one target was out. The rookies were dropping balls. But here's the thing. This happened last year. They got destroyed by the Saints in week one, and then they went on a run. And I'm just scared to death that we are going to be the first stepping stone. Potentially, but he had his He still had Devontae Adams. And he had a full, healthy line in front of him. He doesn't have the full, healthy line. I think Bakhtari might have just started practicing. We don't know if he's going to be fully healthy. You don't know that Lazard's going to be back as his security outlet. I don't know. Sammy Watkins did not do anything. The veteran there on that, that receiving core did nothing. Yeah, they don't have so any chemistry yet. So you had those rookies, yet. like you said, that were dependent upon. A 75-yard sure thing touchdown right through the hands. Yep. 
And of course, we're referring to the fact that the uh, Packers went into Minneapolis and lost to the Vikings 23 to 7. The Vikings, I will reserve judgment on. They play different at home than they do on the road. And they yeah. may have caught the Packers sleeping right now until they can get anything going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to start crowning the Vikings no. as one of the elite. In the NFC. Now, I do think things are going to start shifting and changing. The Cowboys, the big Sunday night game, Buccaneers going to Dallas, and just Todd Bowles. This is the one thing. I'm not a Todd Bowles fan, but Todd Bowles can run a defense, and that's what he had to do on Sunday, and he shut down the Cowboys completely. The Buccaneers couldn't do a lot offensively, field goals, one yeah. touchdown, but Brady was efficient. They calm, plugged cool. along. They controlled the game. Right. And then Dak Prescott, of course, tears up his thumb. Yep. Jerry Jones insists he will not be out more than four weeks, won't put him on IR. Initial, initial reports were six to eight weeks. Now, Dave and I, of course, are already proven to be great podcast doctors, as we predicted. Robert Sala <laughs> And the Jets were really, really oh, he's overestimating the recovery time for Zach that, Wilson. Yeah, they said, oh, three to four weeks. We're like, nope, it's going to be more like Could six. Could be available for week one. Yeah, yeah, we're like, nope, six to eight. Dak is going to be looking probably closer to six at the earliest. I mean, that thumb has got to heal Otherwise, he's not going to be able to grip the ball. He's not going to be able to hold on to it if he gets sacked. He's going to be fumble, fumble, fumble. He's not going to have any zip on the ball. There's a lot of issues that can come from that. And let's look at last year with Russell Wilson. It wasn't even his thumb. Right. It was with the middle finger, I believe, on his throwing hand. And he was out a lot longer than four weeks. And the thumb is more important to guiding and throwing the ball than that middle finger. Yeah, and the thumb is key to holding the ball. So, yeah, Jerry Jones is just, as we always talk about, he's covering his ass. Yes, he's a, a he's really a smart to his owner, fans. but he is an awful GM and he, an awful spokesperson for this team. He needs to back off. He needs to just sign the checks and hire somebody football intelligent to make the personnel decisions at this point because that team has nothing. They are mired in the depths of football hell right now. Well, let's look at week one. Again, just week one, Giants won, Commanders won, Eagles won, Cowboys lost. lost. You're already a game back. You're already a game back. In a division you were supposed to be basically fighting with the Eagles for. Yeah. And how the hell did Washington pull off the win? Yeah. Commanders beat the Jaguars in Washington 28-22. Dave and I, of course, both thought that that Doug Peterson would be able to right the ship. Maybe we gave him a little too much credit too early. Maybe. Basically, but, they had that game, and they could not stop, God help us, Carson Wentz. How do you let Carson Wentz throw for four touchdowns against you? That's 
absolutely. Now, see, Dave and I are going to be stubborn, and our picks are coming up later for week two. And we will, again, be stubborn (laughs) when it comes to the Commanders and Carson Wentz. And we love Chico. We love Ron Rivera. I like him a little bit less over the offseason shenanigans where he threw Jack Del Rio under the bus. Yeah, that wasn't cool, but. But we've seen the Carson Wentz of the last couple years, the Carson Wentz that choked away a playoff spot for the Colts last year, the Carson Wentz that the Eagles wanted nothing to do with. After banking their future on him, and he failed miserably. And as Dave said, how do the Jaguars let Carson Wentz beat them with four touchdowns? Every fantasy site I saw, Carson Wentz was the number one point scorer left on the waiver wire after week one. Insane. Unbelievable. Of course, the Bills dominant over the Rams. The Bills looked like the most complete team in all three phases of the game. As we predicted, of course, a lot of us have the Bills winning the Super Bowl. We went through that last week. Yep. So... The Bengals and the Steelers had a bizarre game that where was... Joe Burrow, he did this with the Bears in his rookie year, remember this? Where he just blew up with interception after interception. Yeah. After, and then he tries to bring the team back. Burrow will lay an egg like this. And he did. He turned the ball over five times against the Steelers, and still they had a chance to win. Why? Because the Steelers don't really have anything either. They had Mitch, who actually was just efficient enough, did not make the costly turnovers, and got that final drive that they needed. Yep, and then, of course, the theme for the weekend was kickers. Kickers missing (laughs) extra points. Kickers missing crucial field goals. Or so, bad decisions on tr- when to kick a field goal. Uh, are you referring to the Monday night game? Yes. <laughs> the disaster game from hell if you were a Denver fan. <sighs> two turnovers at the goal line. Yep, two fumbles. One for Gordon, one for Williams. Yep. And then, but again, he's getting blasted. Nathaniel Hackett, the new coach of the Broncos, is getting blasted for going with McManus, trying to kick the, what, 63-yard field goal? 64. He came damn close to hitting that. He did, but that was classic clock mismanagement over the final minute. How much did they had their timeouts? How much time did they waste? I agree. Where you could have run a player to done something to get the first down, get out of bounds, or use one of the timeouts to stop the clock and get that much closer. Horribly managed clock. Yeah, he's getting getting destroyed. He is the one young coach or the one coach in a new situation that's getting absolutely pummeled. See, I don't have a problem with trying the kick. It's the timing of it and the mismanagement of the clock. That's what he should be vilified for right now. But you can't blame him for the fumbles. No, 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 no. You can't blame him for the fumbles. You can't blame him for the fumbles at all. And boy, all of the stuff you heard before and after that game about Russell Wilson, 
Oof. And Pete Carroll, a lot of the things he was implying in some of the interviews and things you're hearing out of the locker room, they did not like him in Seattle no, at all. They were out to stop him at any cost, and they were geared up for him. And that was one of the four or five games this weekend that pretty much destroyed. If you play survivor pools, knocked out 90% of the people. <laughs> yeah. The Bears beating the 49ers, the Giants beating the Titans, the Seattle Seahawks beating the Broncos with Russell Wilson coming back. Yeah. How did Geno Smith look so damn good too? I had, I don't have any uh, – it's going to turn around. That's just a fluky game. It was one of those where – it's almost one of those fate games. Yeah. That, I do not think Seattle is going anywhere, and I think no. Denver is pretty good. Remember, we had this going last year with Staley, with the Chargers. Yeah. Staley in his rookie year couldn't get out of his own way. He lost three or four games due to coaching blunders with the Chargers. Yeah. And we will find out this Thursday, Has he learned how anything? has he grown? Now, they won week one against the Raiders in a tough game, 24-19. to 19. Yep. Good for him there. Maybe he has learned yeah. a little bit. We saw it with Zach Taylor with the Bengals. Took him two years, third year, Super Bowl. Yep. We'll see. Yep. All right. Good grief. Injuries. We got to talk about the injuries. Every year, it seems like there are injuries and we act shocked and we act like, oh, this is the worst year ever for week one injuries. Mm. And we seem to forget years past, but we talked about Dak Prescott. Dave and I, who play doctors on this podcast, but not in real life, say six to eight weeks is a legitimate expectation yes hopefully for dallas he'll be back in november elijah mitchell we talked about that yeah there's my first ir slot move he's gonna be out for two months i believe yeah tj watt partially torn pectoral i saw that play live oof he was sack trying to sack joe burrow and you could see the pain he was in as he's coming off. Yeah, yeah that that's one. But they're saying are they since surgery or no surgery? They are saying because it's not completely torn, he is going into a six-week rehab, rehab program. <sighs> we'll see what happens there. Yeah, rehab for a torn pec is you don't use it. That muscle yeah, has I got mean, to you've gotta, heal. Yeah, you've got to let those those muscles stitch back up again. Yeah. I mean, you've got to immobilize that. Um, more defensive injuries. Former Bear, Kyle Fuller for the Ravens, torn ACL, done, done for the year. That could play into our picks coming up with the Dolphins and the Ravens. Potentially, yes. Safety Jamal Adams for the aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. Knee injury, have not heard the full extent yet, but Pete Carroll did not sound optimistic. No. So, yes, a lot of big names, a lot of pro bowlers out already for extended periods of time. Now, Dave and I, from a fantasy standpoint, have got to talk about some of these players. Number one, going all the way back to the first game Thursday night, 
We were told Cam Akers was going to be a sleeper pick. We, we were, were told, told top 15 running back. He was going to be the back for the Rams. And what does Sean McVay do? Doesn't. Puts Daryl Henderson in. Gives three, three touches. touches for Akers. Three touches. Destroyed. Nothing. Destroyed. Countless. Nothing. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of fantasy football teams across the nation. A big Including me, zero. Dave got lucky. He overcame it and won. One of my teams, not in our league, I had him lost because of it. Ugh, frustrating. Frustrating, frustrating. Another one very interesting. I can talk about this now since the waiver period has passed. What happened with Jacksonville? I heard Travis Etienne was going to be the stud, <laughs> and James Robinson comes back from a devastating injury so quickly, so early scores, two touchdowns. He has now taken his his job back, back immediately as the lead running back for the Jaguars. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. Robinson is a great player. I did not He's think. good. We, we've seen these guys bouncing back. Now, Chris Godwin was another one with the Buccaneers who came back. Looks like he might have come back too early. A little too soon. Tweak the hamstring, not the knee, but you wonder, is it, is it because, because of, of inactivity? Probably. So Godwin probably needs a week or two to rest up. But Julio Jones looked revitalized. Yeah. So, and then they've still got Russell Gage. They've still got, they have got weapons. It's all about protecting Tom Brady. That offensive That's... line has got to hold up. All, all right, other down. games from week one real quick here. The Eagles blew out the Lions for a while, and then they let the Lions come back and made it a really, really interesting game. Eagles 38, Lions 35. The Browns. Oh, yeah. The Browns and the Panthers. The revenge game for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that didn't quite go so well for him. Another one where... They got buried in a deep, dark hole, tried to come back, didn't work out. Yep. Dolphins, your Dolphins. Hosting looked... the Patriots and took care of them 20-7. to 7. Not bad. I don't know that I'm ready to buy into the Dolphins yet. We'll have to see. Yep. Cautious optimism. Yep. Chiefs. Look fantastic, destroying the Cardinals, 44 to 21. Boy, I would never have given Kyler Murray the money they did. No, we talked about that. He does not deserve the money. And we get to our picks. They're looking at 0-2, staring away. And they extended Kingsbury, too. Yeah, that, mm, that that's going to cost the GM his job here down the line, too. And then, of course, we talked about Raiders Chargers and Buccaneers Cowboys. All righty. Lamar Jackson did not get his extension before week one started. So supposedly they are done negotiating. Until after the season. Let's see if he can earn the next contract because we know Kyler Murray did not earn what he got. Then we've also got to talk about the guys who did get extended right before the season started. Tight end Darren Waller for the Raiders. Yep. Quentin Nelson 
possibly the best guard in the NFL with the Colts. Yep. Then I just want to make one note about that Thursday night game before we move on to our picks. Don't promise me. Don't freaking promise me I'm getting <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne at halftime and show 10 seconds of Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> now, on. Dave and I are reviewing the new album, Patient Number 9, on the weekend edition. I just don't... If it was a goddamn rap artist, you know they would have shown five, ten minutes of it. But because yep. it's old Ozzy Osbourne, because it's heavy metal for all the old white guys like Dave and Kev, we show ten seconds. fucking seconds of it. And then we got Tony Dungy, ironically, reading from the Bible a few minutes later. Oh, my God. So you go from the Prince of Darkness to, to Jack the Wagon. Yeah. The last guy who really should be talking about that anything. That really pissed me off. Really pissed me off. All right, 10 games we're picking this week for the NFL. Of course, Thursday night's big, big, monstrous game. Yep, we are missing picks from Mrs. C, but she hasn't hit the deadline yet. Dave and I will not be able to watch this game live because, of course, we will be watching Clerks 3. That's right. Giving Kevin out the Smith our edition. money. I I think everybody is pretty much in agreement. It looks like the seven picks we've got in are all across the board for the Chiefs. Yes. After seeing what they did in week one. They're at home. Can't trust Brandon Staley yet. That's the big question mark is Staley. Yeah. Yeah. I think after seeing how the Chiefs just keep rolling, everybody goes with the Chiefs yep. Thursday night. Sunday, the 18th God of help us. What are we thinking? We've never done this. You and I, I don't think we have ever, in the 30 years of doing this, we have never picked the Lions. Oh, I think we have. I think we have. Once in a great while. Maybe once a year. I don't even know if it's that often. Commanders at the Lions. Yes, Dave and I were just talking about Carson Wentz. How we don't trust Carson Wentz. How we don't trust the culture of Washington with Dan Snyder as its figurehead. And I do admire the grit of Dan Campbell. The tenacity How that he shows. How they came back against my pick to be in the NFC Championship game, the Philadelphia Eagles. I admired the fact they did not quit. I don't trust Carson Wentz at all that is the big thing here which is why i'm taking the lions at home with you and the elder statesman other four picks that are in of course are lemmings our sheep and they are going with the commanders and they'll probably win <laughs> probably we'll see panthers at the giants giants coming off an impressive week one win at tennessee we talked about the panthers Shitting the bed at home in Baker Mayfield's revenge game. Yeah, I the trust. Browns are better defensively, I think, than the Giants. And I just don't trust Daniel Jones. I'm going to tell you why I picked the Giants. I think Brian Dayball, in one game as a head coach, showed more guts, showed more balls, 
showed more moxie. He, after Daniel Jones threw a bad interception, went over there and didn't go, oh, poor guy, oh, snowflake, it's okay. He went over there and said, what the fuck are you doing? What the hell are you doing throwing that ball? He got in Jones's face and said, no, you don't do that. They came back, won the game. He has shown more in one game than Matt Rule has shown to me in his multiple years as a coach with Carolina. I go with the better coach. I go with Brian Dayball and the Giants. There I have go. got Nick with me, and I have got Aaron with me, where you have Doug, and you have Bill, and you have Sam with you. Yep, we'll see how it goes. All right, we got time for one more pick. Looks like it's going to be spillover again. Spillover Spill again. Final pick Get here. used to it, kids. That's what the NFL does to us. Yep. Final pick here in segment one. The Patriots go in to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. <sighs> Mac Jones supposedly okay. Supposedly, we'll see. Going into Pittsburgh, I don't know that the Patriots have enough to do it. That defense is still without T.J. Watt, still got Micah Fitzpatrick. You've still got Hayward. Yeah. You are fine on defense. Trubisky, again, plays controlled. Najee Harris, his foot, he says he's going to play. We'll see how effective he is. but. New England shows me nothing in terms of that, that that we called them out on the whole Patricia, Joe Judge, two-headed monster on offense. It's not going to go well. Nick's the lone Patriot at this point. The rest of us taking the Steelers, and we'll be back. Hey, kids, ready for a blast of dairy goodness? Pick up Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk at your local grocery store. Remember, when you drink Sports Frenzy 2.0 milk, you're not only enjoying a healthy treat, you're helping to locate missing sports heroes of the past and present. Our cartons and jugs feature pictures of Peng Shui, Ryan Leaf, and Sammy Sosa as we do our part to find the lost icons of the last 30 years. And don't forget our special weekend edition chocolate milk containers available on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, because they feature celebrities like Lindsay Lohan, Helen Hunt, and John Claude Van Damme. Pick up a gallon today. All right, we promised you bleed over here on Sports Frenzy 2.0. I'm the Conquistador Dave Height. And I'm the Maestro Kevin Crane. Here we are, September 14th, 2022, taping. This will hit Thursday the 15th on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Amazon, Audible, Apple, Overcast, Castbox, and Future! Now you might wonder why, for two weeks in a row already, starting off the season, we've had bleed over. Keep in mind, we are restricted to 30 minutes a segment. That's right. So you can sit there and you can criticize us and say, you should plan things out better. We're going to roll 30 minutes, stop, roll 30 minutes, stop, roll 30 minutes, and say goodbye. 
We'll if you don't do like it, it as long as we can to get everything in that we want to talk about because this is our podcast. But we still hope you enjoy it. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on any or all Drop of us the platforms. Drop us a line. Give us some ideas. Sure. All right. Getting back into our football picks for week two, Sunday, September the 18th. Colts at the Jaguars. Dave and I already discussed how the Jaguars let us down. Big time. Had the lead against the Washington Commanders. Let Carson Wentz beat them. So do you think that instills confidence in me that the Jaguars can win in week two against my pick for the AFC Championship along with the Bills? Well, let's wait. Let's wait. go back, Kev. Let's go back, Maestro, and look at the fact that, that the, the Colts, Colts wound up in a tie with the Houston Texans. Arguably the team that should be the worst in the NFL. Although now the Cowboys fans might get Cowboys that. <laughs> might have taken them over. The, the Texans under Lovey Smith played tough. But, again, the kickers came into effect. The Colts cut Rodrigo Blankenship because he choked on a crucial kick. Yeah, and he'd been pretty solid for him the last couple years. Maybe he just needed thicker Coke bottle glasses. But, good Lord, we've already got a tie through one week. I know. We almost had two. I know. And Matt Ryan didn't really play badly. Jonathan Taylor, of course, the number one fantasy stud, didn't play badly. No. And that offense, it's going to take them, we we figured it's going to take a week or two to find that rhythm with Ryan at quarterback because, let's face it, it's the fourth quarterback in as many years. Yeah. So, even though they're on the road, again, Two straight games on the road for the Colts. They have got to bounce back. I think if they don't show up this week, Frank Reich is going to be on an extremely hot seat. As much as people, including myself, love him and respect his football knowledge and what he brings to the table as a head coach, I would take him with the Bears. But he has just not had any luck any consistency with this Colts regime right now. He has got to go down to Jacksonville. He has got to tell Doug Peterson, you need more time. My time is now. Matty Ice needs to show up. This is Matty Ice's time. And, you know, we talk about four quarterbacks in four years. The Colts have been retreading. When is the GM actually going to have the balls and draft a young quarterback to develop? They should have done this right from the freaking get-go after uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck decided to retire early. Yeah. They should not be playing the retread game. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll agree with you to a point. Andrew Luck kind of caught them off guard and screwed them a little bit. But by now, they you're right, absolutely 100% right. They should have made a plan and by now should have had a quarterback waiting in the wings. Yeah, it would have been fine. You know, you tried with bringing Rivers in. You knew that was only going to be a one-off. Then it was Wentz. Then it was Wentz who you thought you might get a couple years out of. Why didn't you draft somebody then? 
And why haven't you drafted anybody yet? Yeah, Matt Matt Moran has got maybe two years left in him. Maybe. Maybe. Compared to, to Philip Rivers, he's a spring chicken, but that doesn't mean he's going to be around forever. And these guys are not all Tom Brady. No, they're not. They're not making it to 45. 40, to me, is the cutoff. Yeah, past that, for most people, that's it. Yeah. So we're all taking the Colts except for the Big Blue W, who is overseas, so that's probably affecting his thinking. Probably sleep deprivation. So he is taking the Jaguars. Everybody else with Indy. Dave's Miami Dolphins go into Baltimore to play the Ravens, two 1-0 teams, both coming off impressive wins, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, and I know we talked about injuries reining their heads. Kyle Fuller being injured takes one of the starting quarterbacks away from from the the Ravens. Ravens. But I still have to take the Ravens because I do not trust the Dolphins yet at this point. I still don't know what they are. They're okay defensively. They're pretty solid. But I still don't trust that offense. I don't know if they can be consistent at this point. Completely agree. You couldn't couldn't have summed up my feelings better. I agree completely with everything you said. Still don't know if I trust Tua to throw the ball down the field. Um, I'm already hearing rumors about the fact they're looking to shop Mike Gusecki. So I don't understand why. Why not have two great stud wide receivers and a solid tight end? You need to have those three guys that you can rotate through. Wasn't Kansas City's greatest success with Tyreek Hill going deep and having the tight end Travis Kelsey underneath that you didn't know where you were going? I mean, come on. That's the playbook you should be looking at. Right. Now, unfortunately, it looks like even though you got a new head coach in as opposed to Brian Flores, you got the same problems with the backfield. You've flipped over almost the entire backfield. You've brought in Chase Edmonds. You've brought in Raheem Mostert. You still have Miles Gaskin in there, and they still can't establish a running game. They've Sounds never like, been able to establish yeah, decade a running after game. Decade after decade, the Dolphins just can't. It's like the Bears with quarterbacks. Right. The, the Dolphins have not had a running game since the 70s. I mean, that's pretty damn pathetic. Yep. And it didn't look like this week they did that either. It looked like it was Tua going to his safety blanket, Jalen Waddell. It looked like Tyreek Hill did his best to become engaged in the the game plan, but otherwise it was the defense, the ineptitude of the Patriots yeah, contributing to a lot of it. If Miami could ever figure out the running game, they would be a dangerous team. But even though you and I are going with the Ravens, along with Sam and along with Doug, we have got Bill and Nick and Aaron going with Miami. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised, but I just I can't pull the trigger yet at this point. John I've been Harbaugh burned by them too, but too long. Right, and John Harbaugh went through hell last year with injuries and still almost had a 500 team. Yep. So he's lost one cornerback to him compared to last year. This has got to be looking like easy. a cakewalk. Yeah. 
Uh, All right, the Bengals go in to play the Cowboys in Dallas, in Arlington. 0-1 Bengals, 0-1 Cowboys. Two vastly different teams, though. Yeah, completely. The Bengals Bengals had a very sloppy game where they came back, still looked like they could win that division again. The Cowboys look completely lost and clueless. Yep, Mike McCarthy has got to go. And Jerry Jones has got to step back. Yeah. But they never will listen to us. Jerry Jones doesn't listen to even the most vocal, vehement Cowboys fans who say, you need to step back, Jerry. Just sign the checks. That being said, everybody out of the seven picks we've got in, they're not being fooled. Cooper Rush versus Joe Burrow. Come on. It's Joe Burrow across the board with the Bengals. Bengals for everybody. Cardinals at Raiders. This one shocked me. This shocked me that out of the seven picks we've got, it's almost an even split. Of course, if you know your math, seven can't be an even split. So this is close, close as we can as get. we get. The uh, Raiders played the upstart Chargers very close in L.A. The Chargers, by many people's accounts, could take over from the AFC West from the Chiefs. That, that's how good they are. Again, we've talked about is Staley. If he can coach, make that jump, then the Chargers are going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Justin Herbert still looks like he's improving. Yeah, they still got Eckler. They're dinged up a little bit with Keenan Allen, but there's they still beat enough the Raiders. There. But the Raiders played them tough. Derek Carr loved having his buddy Devontae Adams Adams with him. We just talked about Waller getting his extension, so he's got to be happy now if he stays healthy. I mean, let's face it, it's pretty much the Chargers defense that really sealed that game away for him. Yep. Where is the love coming from with the Cardinals on the road in Las Vegas? I I don't don't understand. Why anybody would take the train wreck that is the Arizona Cardinals against a decent coach in Josh McDaniels, a a great quarterback, great receiving core, decent running backs, decent defense. I don't get it. The Cardinals showed nothing. I have no faith in them. No. They still don't have DeAndre Hopkins back, but somehow Bill and Nick and Doug are taking the Cardinals on the road in Las Vegas. We'll Saner see what heads, happens. which would be Aaron, Dave, and I, and Sam are going with the obvious pick here, the Raiders. Yep. Now, Monday night, doubleheader. Overlapping. First, or overlapping, but still, it's a double. It's stupid, though. It's dumb. It's, you get to watch an hour of, of the, one, the one, and then, and then the other man, one kicks in. It's ridiculous. But the first game up, Titans at the Bills. Really, do we have to tell you? It's across the board, Bills. The game looked a lot more enticing before week one. <laughs> yeah, it did. Before the results came in. Yeah, so. the and the Bills at home. So maybe that's why this will work, because we get to watch an hour of the Bills Destroying. kicking the asses of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and then we move on to the big game. Yeah, the Vikings at the Eagles. Dare I say that this game, two weeks in, could be intriguing, could decide who 
with the Buccaneers and the Rams is the number three big dog in the NFC. It could be early. It could be early. The Eagles looked really damn good week one. But the Vikings at home against what we already discussed is a hapless Packers team at this point. I don't trust the Vikings on the road. I got to take the Eagles at home. So do I. And so does Doug. But the other four picks that are in. They're drinking the purple Kool-Aid. Aaron, Nick, Bill, and Sam all go with the Vikings. I tr- Believe it or not, I trust Jalen Hurts more than I trust Kirk Cousins. Especially yes. when Hurts is at home, Cousins, Cousins on the road. Home. Yep. Completely agreed on that one. All right, so that's it for our pro picks. Of course, as we said before, spillover, spillover, spillover. So now it's time for college football. Lots to talk about here. First off, the black hole that is the Nebraska football program. Fires Scott Frost. Finally. After a home loss to Georgia Southern. That was bad. Scott Frost's overall record. With the Cornhuskers, 16 and 31. Yet somehow in the fair world we live in, he gets a $15 million buyout. <laughs> Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, that being said, of course, that people Stupid are lining up money. supposedly to take the Nebraska job. I don't know why. Why you would. would you want the Nebraska well, Scott job? Scott Frost should have stayed at UCF and built that program up. There. I don't understand the logic other than the paycheck. you're guaranteed the golden umbrella at the end, even if you fail miserably, like Charlie Weiss, now like Scott Frost, yeah, the, eventually Marcus Freeman with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Oh, God. Now we'll get to them because, of course, they shit the bed. Yeah, they lose at home to Marshall. Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. How in God's name does you do you let that happen? 26-21, final score. You talked about Buckner, the Notre Dame quarterback, not looking that impressive. He looked absolutely miserable against Marshall. Well, now Winds you don't have to worry about injuring him. his shoulder. He's done for the season. But you're also looking at Freeman as a defensive guy. Whereas Kelly was offensive. Tommy Reese looked good as a coordinator offensively with Kelly there helping call the shots. Tommy Reese is solely responsible for the offense at this point. Showing maybe he's not all that as a coordinator. Well, and I will say this too. Of course, I was praising Al Golden, the former Miami head coach, who's now the defensive coordinator for the Irish, Marshall's kid. Their running back ran all over the Irish. They did. And especially after Notre Dame kept going three and out, not looking good, and that defense got worn down early. And I think the worst part of this, number one, the Irish are now not rated, plummeting in two weeks from number five to out. And then Marcus Freeman... Ends up being the first Notre Dame head coach ever to start 0-3. Yep. And I want to bring up one thing, and I think you'll agree with me, Dave. 
there's a common denominator with the problems that the Notre Dame football program has had over the last 15 years. Can you tell me what that is? Gee, would it be overreaching, overreacting, not holding One person, one person who I think is to blame for all of the problems with the Notre Dame football program. That would be one Jack Swarbrick. You want to talk about a guy who panics. Yep. He panicked with Charlie Weiss. Now he panicked with Marcus Freeman. Why couldn't you interview somebody else and go, oh, my God, we got to keep Marcus Freeman. Somebody else is going to take Marcus Freeman. Let him take Marcus Freeman. God, do your due diligence and interview other candidates. You want to make sure you get the best candidate for the job. Charlie Weiss has one good year with Brady Quinn. Oh, my God, lock him up for 10 years. Yeah, no, big mistake. Jack Swarbrick, all he cares about is spouting off about Notre Dame staying independent and we're not going to join a conference because we got the cash cow that is NBC. Which, if you keep making these panic decisions, you're not going to have for much longer. He has got to be the shittiest AD out there when it comes to major programs. Pretty damn lame. I mean, my God, look at the basketball program. Yeah. The men's program. We've talked about Bray over and over. Settle for mediocrity. Every once in a while, you get in the Sweet 16 and you act like, oh, that's good enough. Yeah. When is when is settling success? Miami hasn't settled. No, they have not. The Miami Hurricanes, Mario Cristobal, so far 2-0. and Granted, two smaller schools, but a lot of teams out there have been playing these smaller schools the first couple weeks. I've been happy that Miami's actually showed up and has not played down to the level of their competition. They beat Southern Miss 30 to 7. They are 2 and 0 and they yep. are going into a hostile environment where we will find out how good the Hurricanes are. Yep. Coming in after that big A&M loss to Appalachian State. And they did not play very good in week one against Sam Houston. No, they looked awful there, too. So we got our picks coming. couple more things to but talk about. But how long Jimbo Fisher's record at A&M is awful, and he's making $9 million a year. He's one of the highest-paid coaches in college football. That's stupid. Yes, I agree with that. But we why? talked about that. Why did you give him that damn big panic, extension when he hasn't done move. anything? Another panic move on this this time from Texas A&M. They're AD. Yeah. Panic move. Florida State knew don't let him go. Yeah. Because their downfall started under him. Now, speaking of coaches getting paid, we knew this was coming after Nick Saban, after Kirby Smart, Dabo Swinney. Gets a 10-year, $115 million contract with Clemson through the 2031 season. I believe that makes him the second or third highest paid. It's still stupid, but this is one of the major problems with college football. You get this that guy. It. Do you want to lock onto him? Now, You're paying the, the stupid thing is, ass though, money. The thing is, though, I understand that and I agree with you. 
But outside of three schools, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, you shouldn't be paying this type of money. No, no, not at all. Those three schools, you've got track records. You're past national championships, or in the case of Kirby Smart, current national champions. Right. You've put up. Yeah, it's been too damn long Jimbo ago for Jimbo. One, way one. back when, and his program deteriorated at Florida State after that, and yet he's getting all this damn money at A and M. And you look at the performance the first two weeks. Is this number one recruiting class? How many of these guys are rethinking that decision right now? Remember uh, Nick Saban said he bought basically his entire recruiting class? Yep, the NIL thing. Yep. Yep. And, of course, because Alabama, we talked about Sarkeesian, the whole thing with Texas this past weekend, very, very close game. That was off mic, though. We didn't pick that game because, of course, of the restrictions you people have put on me. The spread was so big. And it ended up being a really good game. Now, of course, Alabama did win. But because they played a close game against Texas, Georgia has now jumped Alabama and are now number one in the AP poll. That's fine. They're defending champions. That's where they should be. And let's face it. There should be no rankings until week five. I know a lot of people that agree with you on that. There should be no preseason rankings at all. A lot of people say just wait until the BCS rankings come out. There you what, go. Week eight? Something like that. If you want to have an AP coaches poll, nothing before week five. Because you don't know what you got anywhere until then. All right. Our picks for NCAA week three. Going to run through these real quick here. Friday, September 16th, Florida State at Louisville. Everybody's taking the Seminoles except for Bill. He is taking Louisville. Of course, a lot of close games on the slate this week among the eight games we're picking. Yep. Next up, we got Purdue at Syracuse so far with the seven picks. You and I are on Syracuse Island. Everybody else taking Purdue on the road. Syracuse is one of those teams where if you get them on the good year, they're a really good team, and I think this year they are a really good they're team. They're showing this year that they're pretty solid. Purdue had a good game the first week. Second game was kind of a cupcake walk. We'll see where we stand. Number 12, BYU at number 25, Oregon. Everybody but Nick taking BYU. I have heard nothing to dissuade me from the fact that BYU, despite having one of the toughest schedules in the nation as an independent, nonetheless, yeah, they're coming into Notre Dame or, they're, or Notre Dame's playing them in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Another luck. loss for Marcus Freeman right there. Yep. All he can hope for is maybe Oregon beats up BYU a little bit, but BYU is a physical team. They are. They're t- going to be tough. Oregon they they got nothing right now. It's a it's a transition year it for is. Oregon. It is big time. Uh number 22 Penn State going to play at Auburn. I don't know what Penn State really has. I don't know what Auburn has. 
I'm going home team on Auburn Island. I almost joined you on Auburn Island, but I started to do a little bit of research, a little bit more than normal. And everything I'm seeing just says Penn State, as much as I don't trust James Franklin as a head coach, Auburn's just such a mess right now that I went with Penn State. I changed it. I went with Penn State. There you go. Did the same thing on the next game, Mississippi State at LSU. I almost went with you and Aaron with LSU. They need that bounce-back game at home, a dominant win. I am just hearing that maybe, maybe this is the year that the Pirate, Mike Leach, has a team this, that gets uh, to a major bowl game. This is that game that I Leach know, usually I loses. Know, I know, but it's Brian Kelly. signature game Leach usually chokes away. But I just can't trust Brian Kelly yet with this LSU program. Because remember last year with that Orgeron, this LSU team was a mess. Yeah, I know. But, uh, you can't trust either one. I know. As I said, Dave and Aaron take LSU, everybody else with the Pirate and Mississippi State. Texas Tech at number 16, North Carolina State. The Oof. Big Blue W is on an island with Texas Tech. I just like that North Carolina State defense. It's going to be an interesting game. I, I I did not like the fact the point spread went up as far as it did. Now it's double digits. Texas Tech can score points. They can. I just think there's a reason why NC State is number 16 and Texas Tech is not ranked yet. Yeah. Texas Tech has no defense. You can tell a lot of these teams that are 2-0 and right now and they're not ranked. There's a reason why they're not ranked. Right. So everybody taking NC State except for Bill taking Texas Tech. Toughest game to pick, in my opinion, of the week. Number 11, Michigan State at Washington. Ugh. Washington, of course, has the transfer quarterback from IU. Yes. Phoenix. Everybody's talking about how this is this resurgent year for Washington. It Michigan State got to travel almost across the country to play this game. I am on Washington Island. The only thing that 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 dissuaded me from taking Washington is that I have heard the Michigan state running game that Michigan state will control this game with the running game. They will keep the ball away from the dynamic Washington offense, Michigan state. Again, there's a reason why they're number 11, two and Oh, Washington's not ranked. Uh, yeah. You're still going, you're still falling on Michigan state history with that ranking at this point. Yes and no. Yes and no. They're coming off of what I you think saw you're, with last you're year. You're living in the past with Washington, though. You're remembering the good old days when we used to pick them all the time with what, Patterson? Peterson. Peterson, when, when he, he came, came over, over from, from Boise. Boise. We'll see. I just, I got, I don't trust Michigan State. Finally, the big game. This is the. This is dun, the. Dun, dun, dun. The day Visick game of the week. There you go, Dave. I hope you're happy. Dave Visick says this is the game he's most looking forward to out of the pros in the college ranks. Number 13, Miami of Florida at number 24, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher, who we've ripped upon here for half the segment. 
against my beloved Miami Hurricanes. Guess who I'm going with? You're taking A&M. I do not trust the Canes yet. Yet. If they win this game, and I hope they do, and I hope I'm proven wrong, then Miami becomes a legit contender for the college football playoffs. I am going to take the resurgent Hurricanes with their new head coach over what could be the most overhyped Jimbo Fisher. So Sam agrees with me and Nick of the seven we've got in so far. Aaron, Doug, and Bill agree with Dave. God bless you for going with the Hurricanes. It'll probably bite me in the ass, but we'll see. Again, I will make the bold proclamation that if Miami goes in and beats Texas A&M at A&M, put them College up. Station, right? Yep. Miami becomes a legit contender for the CFP. There you go. All right, that wraps up football. Are you having trouble falling asleep behind the wheel of your expensive SUV? Are you finding difficulty in avoiding golf clubs thrown at you by your angry wife as you pull out of the driveway? Sign up today for the Tiger Woods Driving School, sponsored by Sports Frenzy 2.0. We'll show you how to text ladies of the night while still driving effectively in the wee hours of the morning. We'll also teach you how to ditch a suspicious backpack when you end up driving into a ditch. Check out Sports Frenzy 2.0 on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, for updates on our latest classes, including how to curse and swear in front of uptight golf fans and their children and still be adored by millions. The Tiger Woods Driving School. It's great. Vroom, vroom, kiddos. Time for segment three, which means it's time to catch up on NASCAR, baseball, and, of course, our dumbasses of the week. Lots of NASCAR to talk about. The playoffs are in full effect. And we've already got history being made as we have had two races in the playoffs. And we've already set a mark with two non-playoff winners in the first two races. Unprecedented in the playoff history within NASCAR. Of course, last week was Eric Jones, and this past weekend was Bubba, Bubba Wallace. Wallace. On a non-super speedway, usually runs only runs well at Daytona and Talladega. I know. This I last know. week, they I actually know. put a solid car under him for the entire race. I know, but why does he still have to be a jackass when it comes to the post-race interviews? Because he's a douchebag at heart. I'm going to shut everybody up now because I wanted something other than a super speedway. I hope I shut everybody up. Why don't you go find another excuse of how you're persecuted and treated badly? Are you trying to take over for Kyle Busch as the most hated driver in NASCAR? You're trying big time. I mean, kudos to him. Great job. Won that was that a race. hell of a race. Dominant race. He ran probably 
his best race of the, his career. I would agree with that. He stayed out of trouble. They gave him a solid car. He used and of every course, bit of it. A few weeks back, he switched cars. Yep. Went from the 23 to the 45. Very interesting. Yeah, gee, who had everything set up on the 45? Who gave all the info to get everything in there? That would be Kurt Busch. Hmm. And now this all ties together because of the big news of the week. Kyle Busch is going to Richard Childers Racing. Going to run in the number eight car, which is currently being occupied by playoff contender Tyler Reddick. So now, where are the dominoes going to fall? That's where Kurt Busch, to me, comes into this. Is Kurt Busch coming back? Is Kurt Busch retiring? Is Ty Gibbs taking over the 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing? I would is say Childers yes. going to buy out? I know Childers has already come out and said he's running three teams next year, but a lot of people are going, where are you getting the third charter from? I think he's going to buy out Reddick. Reddick goes to 23-11 a year early, and Kurt Busch retires. Ty that Gibbs sounds, takes over the 18 That's car. probably how it's going to play out. Because I am the all-seeing, all-knowing, wise maestro. That's that's the only thing that makes sense. I don't understand, again, why Childress would run three cars for one year. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But now, again, now that it's being interesting said, that Kyle signs with Childress after that big blow up in the fisticuffs they had after the truck race a couple years back. Oh, you mean where Childers took his ring off before he <laughs> took a swing? Swing at him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but by all accounts, you know, they said right after that happened, they put it aside. Press conference looked good. Joking around. It's a business deal. You know what you need to do. And Can I just point something out to you, though? Because you are a passionate, diehard, dyed-in-the-wool Dale Earnhardt Sr. fan. Yes, yes, I, I know am. that. I, I would bank my life on the fact that you live and die, even though he's been gone for a while, with Dale Earnhardt Sr. What the fuck is Childress doing in this press conference constantly bringing up Dale Earnhardt Sr. and comparing him to Kyle Busch. That's like know. blasphemy to me. That's seven championships versus two. two. Oh, I see the same fire in Kyle's eyes that I saw in Dale Sr.'s eyes. And he <sighs> does it a couple more times during the press conference. This doesn't seem to bother you like it bothers me. It bothers me big it time. It frosts my ass. That he's pulling this shit. And I don't know why he's doing it. Maybe it's to try and rally children's racing fans to support that maybe they can get that program back in the championship circles. I don't know. I can't stand Kyle frickin' Bush. I never could stand him. And to hear that, the only thing that would piss me off more 
is if they would have put Dylan in the eight and Kyle in the three. That's yeah. that would have driven me over the freaking edge. And as we talked about earlier, they're neck and neck. Kyle Bush, Bubba Wallace, most obnoxious dipshits oh currently in the Cup Series. See, now this is going to piss. I haven't talked to my mom about this yet. My mom, abs. If, if you think we don't like Kyle Bush, my mom despises him more than she ever despised Jeff Gordon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. and so this this is really gonna gonna take the cake with her. <sighs> There'll be more to talk about on this another day. Yep the the news that I think again I got to bounce it off the conquistador because I think he will be thrilled with this. The 2023 Cup yes! Star Race, the 75th anniversary. Boom, race. baby! North Wilkesboro is back. I am so freaking happy that this short track is coming back onto the NASCAR circuit for the Cup Series. I love the racing at Wilkesboro. It was always good. Never a disappointment. Oh, it's... Oh, God, I'm so giddy. I was elated when I heard this news. Yeah, thank God. Stop running it at Texas. Give us something different. This was a brilliant move. The Again, all-star NASCAR... race on a short track where you don't normally run anymore. I freaking love it. NASCAR has been trying over the last four or five years to keep changing things up, adding road courses, getting cookie-cutter tracks out of the schedule. And by the way, the 2023 schedule has been released. Dave and I will go into that more in detail next week. Yep. Uh, because we are on time constraints. But I was extremely happy as well to see North Wilkesboro. After the stumble with the Bush Clash, as we still call it, at the beginning of the year, putting it in the L.A. Coliseum. And they're going to do that shit again? No. With the road course in Chicago, the street course. That And now with North Wilkesboro for the All-Star Race, the 2023 schedule looking a lot more interesting. Yes, it is. Oh, so happy. And hey, other news. We talked about Jeremy Clements racing in the Xfinity series, where he won Daytona, but then was hit with a huge L2 penalty for an issue with the intake manifold. He was docked all the owner points, the driver points, and the win was vacated as getting him into the playoffs. They appealed and they freaking won. Oh, my Lord. He gets the win counting towards the playoffs. So right now, and all his points back. No fines against the crew chief. So they are looking to be in the playoffs, and all points are back. So I'm actually thrilled that this young team fought and won. Good Which for them. We never see happen. It never happens. I mean, they'll fight, but they always end up losing, whether it's NFL, NBA, MLB. You appeal suspension. Sometimes plea bargaining yeah. gets it reduced, but No, in this case, there was enough there on the appeal. They won it. Good for them. 
All right, race 29, playoff race three this Saturday night, September the 17th, the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol now in the playoffs. Ooh. Bristol on patrol live. No, 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 no. Bristol, Miami, Texas A&M. On patrol live. Miami, Texas A&M. <laughs> Six of the seven picks are in. Aaron is in the lead in our Frenzy Cup competition. He has been dominating a lot of our competition so far. Yes, he has. But that's okay. They're not over yet. No. I wanted to go opposite him, but I didn't want to panic and get away from my plan. If you had a plan, stick with the plan. I'm sticking with the plan. I was a little iffy on where I was going to go, but I have to join him with taking Kevin Harvick, who is sitting at the bottom of and the has chase to win. and has to win. He is so far out on points, he needs the win to get in. And the desperation, he runs well there. That's where I got to go. Bill, Nick, and I go with the man who is now at peace, at ease, now that he knows what his future holds. No more stress. Now he can go out and just run his race. Kyle Busch. Yeah, after he effed me last week, the jack wagon. He was upset. He didn't know what was going to happen was a with his life. Bill, Kev, and Nick with Kyle Busch. Doug going with a very smart pick. Out of the playoff drivers, he is going with Martin Truex Jr. Not bad. I mm, That team still doesn't know what the hell they're doing right now. Of course, Jen's pick coming up later. Check out our Facebook page. All seven picks outside of the quitter, Sam, will be posted <laughs> by Thursday night. Big All news right. in the NBA. Phoenix Suns. Their owner, Robert Sarver, has been fined $10 million and suspended one year for basically facilitating a hostile workplace. So he, the NBA comes down on him for this. Where the hell is the NFL doing with fucking Dan Snyder? Who's more egregious, has done much more horrible things, or perpetuated god-awful stuff. For years and years and years. All I'm going to say, and you know what I'm going to say, is I want to know when we start penalizing female executives and minority executives. For the same Because behaviors? you're going to tell me that it's always got to be the older white guy who pulls this crap. I don't believe it. Now, do I believe what I read about Sarver? Sure, I do. Some of the stuff, egregious. Some of it, not so much. Right. Number one, let's get rid of the N-word completely. Yeah. He didn't use it to use it. He used it in quoting, quoting somebody others. else. That's sorry. You cannot. No. I don't want to hear certain people can use that word and certain people can't. Nobody should that, use it. I said that on this show before. It's a hateful word that should be stricken from our language completely. Shouldn't be in rap music, shouldn't be in movies, shouldn't be anywhere outside of Clerks 2. 
let's level the playing field. I'm getting to the yeah. point now where I want a complete and total reset on our entire society because I'm tired of complaints and bitching and pissing and moaning about this and that and There's... this racial indignation and this sexist indignation and this LGBTQ indignation. Reset it all from right now forward. You screw up. You should have known better. But I'm tired of worrying about shit that happened in the past. Yeah, don't worry about what's happened. Let's worry about what's going to happen. U.S. Open, the final major of the tennis season wrapped up. Carlos Alcaraz, 19 years old, wins his first Grand Slam title and will now be the youngest ever to be ranked number one in the ATP World Rankings. Good for him. On the female side, Iga Swiatek wins her third Grand Slam title. And of course, we talked about it, disgrace, a travesty that Novak Djokovic was not allowed to participate. Absolutely ridiculous, the insanity of it all. <sighs> Do we talk live again? We're talking about how much front? money they're giving out in their My final event. God, this 12 four man team championship round. 50 million on the line. The winning team split 16 million. Second place, 10. Third place, 8. Fourth, 4. Teams finishing fifth through eight, 2 million apiece that they split. And then a million from nine to twelve. And then you got Rory. Oh, oh, look at they're trying to do all this crap. Don't you let them into the PGA again. Don't you do it? Because Rory doesn't want to play the best golfers. Rory's a little bitch. Rory's finally won a little bit here. He hasn't choked anything away. Nobody's blown past him. And Tiger Woods is laughing at him. Look at who I made my little bitch. Yep, because Tiger knows he can't play anymore. Otherwise, he'd have jumped to the live. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. Okay, where, Dave, where are they getting the money? The WNBA is talking about expansion? The WNBA Why? says they're going to add two more teams by 2025, and there are at least 10 cities they're considering for expansion. Is the NBA expecting another monster TV deal to Where be they able to subsidize? shove money back into the WNBA? Sorry, and we've talked about the travesty that is some of the praise that gets heaped on people like the just-retired Sue Bird. And having two triple-doubles, and that's an NBA, a WNBA record. Whereas Russell Westbrook used to be able to put up Two triple doubles a within a week. Fine. You want the WNBA, you can have it, but I guarantee it's bleeding money. I guarantee it's, it's hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. And a follow-up from a recent sports frenzy, which I am passionate about, that needs to be emphasized. BYU unbanned the fan who supposedly was yelling racial insults at the Duke volleyball player that Don Staley of South Carolina overreacted about 
Gee, has she issued a public apology of for overreacting? Of course she hasn't, because she's a racist. And I'll call her what she is. She's a racist. I don't care if she's an African-American woman. She's a racist. No video evidence, no evidence whatsoever of any racial incident. Again, why is it always Duke? Why is Duke always involved in these false allegations? Good for BYU to let this fan back in as they saw they did their due diligence and yep. said nothing happened. There Screw you go. Screw you, Duke. Screw you, South Carolina. We're fine with what happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. There you go. Now let's get some apologies from Duke and South Carolina. Moving on to baseball. A couple weeks away from the playoffs. Cubs, of course, out of it as usual, 1682. Still in third place in the NL Central, 23 games behind St. Louis. That's all I say about them. White Sox sitting at 73 and 70 as of today with their loss and a Cleveland win four games back, as well as the Sox have been playing since Tony LaRusse's pacemaker was inserted and he's no longer on the bench. Cleveland has been playing just a bit better, wanting to take the Central. And it's going to be a huge four final games head-to-head coming up. Sox are sitting in second, having overtaken the Twins. Their bats are finally coming around. The pitching's getting a little more consistent, but still too little, too late. I'm going to stick by my guns. I'm still going to say the White Sox end up pulling this off. If Tony comes back to the bench, they're done. You got Tim Anderson coming back soon. We'll see. He's going to be rusty. I mean, let's face it. Elvis, Elvis Andrews has been unbelievable. Elvis has been phenomenal. Elvis has not left the building. Elvis <laughs> has been playing fantastic defense. He's had timely hits. He has been great. You've got for to them. find a place for him in the lineup when Anderson comes back. You've got we, to. We have to. Even Maybe if DH. You, you run him. Can he play second base? Even I know. I've seen the numbers Andrus has put up since he signed with the White Sox. Unbelievable. Yeah, he has been the, one of the bright spots. And since Eloy has gone to DHing, the dude has been oh, on there you go. fire. Yeah. There's your DH, yeah. So Eloy you're going to have to find a spot somewhere crazy. in the infield for Elvis. You're running a rookie at second? I don't know. Maybe Elvis can play second. Yeah. Three home run notes before we move on to our dumbasses. No moments of silence this week in the sports world. Always a good thing. Number one, Mike Trout. One short of tying the record, had home runs in seven straight games. Yep. Uh, At oh, least well. he stayed healthy for a week. That, yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't hurt his back in this, this little home run And run. we've said it over and over and over again over the last couple of years. How in living, breathing hell do the Angels not win games? with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani Because the they don't lineup. have anything else on the pitching front. Aaron Judge, getting Ooh. close to the magical number, 61. 
as he has now got 57 home runs. Yep, a two-homer game the yep. other night. Of course, a lot of people say that 61 still is the number because of the steroid era. Yep. Speaking of which, Albert Pujols did it. He got past A-Rod, hit his 697th career home run, put him fourth all time. Yep, he is on a quest to hit 700. I, as much as I can't stand the fact that he is a rival of the Chicago Cubs playing for the Cardinals for a big chunk of his career, I hope he gets 700. I do. So do I. Great to see him pass A-Rod, definitely. Yes, for sure. But 700, that'd be cool. That would be fantastic. Because if he gets to 699, does he come back next year? God, I don't think so. All right. Time for the favorite segment for everybody out there in podcast land. Your favorite segment. Our favorite segment where we call out the idiots in the sports world. It is time for the Red Foreman Dumb Asses of the Week. As we like the quote we used to like to put on cable access, introducing it, the way these guys are screwing up their life, death would be a sweet release. <laughs> Great job, Dave. All right, I'm going to start off because I got a couple more than Dave. I'll start off. We'll start slow, and then we'll move into we'll, the more we'll significant. build. Don't know by name who did it, but the Dolphins' big win over the New England Patriots down in Miami Gardens at Hard Rock Stadium, marred by the fact that multiple cars were damaged and destroyed because some idiot oh started a fire during the tailgating portion of the Dolphins How game. do you start a fire during a tailgate unless you're dumb enough to put a charcoal grill underneath a vehicle that blows up and ignites other cars around it? Or put one in the tailgate of a truck? Or put one in the back of a vehicle, an SUV, while it's lit. still hot? Come on, people. Use your freaking brains. Yeah, check out the video online. You can see the smoke oh during the game God. coming up over one corner of Hard Rock Stadium. So bad. So bad. Have fun. Tailgate. Drink. Just don't be a dumbass like this and destroy cars and vehicles. Charcoal has no place tailgating. Propane. They have small little propane grills. Propane and propane products. Propane and propane accessories. <laughs> All right, one other one. Remember that I, there, Bobby. I will defer to Dave after this one. U.S. soccer men's national team. Miles Robinson was arrested over the last week or two. Misdemeanor theft. Why? Because he was an arrogant prick and decided as a waitress walked by him in a bar that he would grab a shot off of her tray as she was going to another table and drank the shot, did not pay for it, did not acknowledge the fact he took it. What a douchebag. So the waitress, the waitress, the waiter, whoever, went over to the owner behind the bar and said, that guy took a shot. 
off my tray. I need another one replacing the one he took. Didn't pay for it. Hasn't said anything about it. They waited until Mr. Robinson <laughs> walked out. Owner said, I've got the police coming. You're going to be arrested. Give me $5. It was a $5 shot. Give me $5. We'll call it even. I don't want to make a big thing about this. Of course, Mr. Robinson. Do you know who I am? Bitched and pissed and moaned. And of course, had to play the race card. Because he was the only African-American in the bar. That does not give you the right to steal a shot from anybody. And of course, his response, outside of calling the bartender a racist, was, all this over $5, man. Pay the $5, you dipshit. Don't be an asshole. Don't steal. Pay the $5, you dumbass. Oh, that pisses me off. All right. We've talked in the past about Brett Favre and his ill-gotten COVID welfare money. It got even more interesting to add not only is he the dumbass, But former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant joins him because there's an email chain connecting the whole conspiracy here of getting Brett the money for all the things he was doing and putting money towards building the new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi where Favre's daughter played volleyball. Five million bucks went to Brett Favre in this whole deal. And the chain is there. These dumbasses let themselves get caught in this scam. But it wasn't just them. There was over $77 million in misspent welfare money in the state of Mississippi. All around this whole COVID relief thing. Yeah. Just this one program. Yeah, that's pretty damn pathetic and corrupt of what's going on down there. There you go. All right, finally, I am going to revisit a distasteful, disgusting situation we've talked about here on and off for the last year or so. You can make your judgment. You can make your pronouncement about how this turned out. Last week, Dave and I told you this was coming Monday. The plea deal for Britt Reed, Andy Reed's son, the head coach, of course, of the Kansas City Chiefs, multiple offender, his son, maiming a young girl as he drove drunk, smashed into their car, other people injured, some very badly. Seven years maximum was the sentence that could have been put on Britt Reed. Missouri prosecutors decided, well, we got to meet somewhere in the middle. No, there is no meeting in the middle with a repeat offender. Four years. Bullshit. That's fucking racist right there. A white privileged asshole getting off. The families, of course, are not happy. They wanted the maximum seven years. He should have gotten the max with all the bullshit he pulled in the past. He should have gotten hammered. And, of course, everybody in our stupid-ass society goes, well, this is normal. This is about normal for what happens in these situations. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Bring the hammer down. 
They've called it privileged white assholes. We call it the way we see it. We'll call racism on black people. We'll call racism on white people. We'll call bullshit on anybody and everybody. He's a conquistador. He's a maestro. Check out the weekend edition, kids. We'll talk to you next week.